Gang, since they opened in 2012, I've been talking about the amazing rehearsal spaces and fabulous recording studio at Space Rehearsal and Recording here in Austin. Well, gang, Space has upped their game over the last couple of years and added a couple of new factions. One is a video production studio. Space ATX has taken the major leap forward in their evolution to serve Austin's music community with their new video production department. They're now offering professional video production for bands, live streaming, live sessions, podcasts, and just about anything you can imagine. They've also added a creator studio. Maybe you want to take your TikTok or YouTube videos to the next level, or it's time to stop using your cell phone pics for all of your PR photos. Their newest production room is waiting for you. You can also book their in-house video or photography services or bring a freelancer to get the job done yourself. That's space, rehearsal, and recording located just a few short miles south of downtown Austin. They now offer rehearsal studios, audio recording, video production, a creator studio, and more. Go to spaceatx.com to find out more. And take the talent train from Schmoesville to ProTown with space, rehearsal, recording, and video production. Let's get down. Hey, gang, I want to make a quick announcement. Since we started this podcast in 2011, only the last 20 episodes have been available on the streaming services. You had to go back to the Podbean app or to the website, howdidigethere.podbean.com, to access past the 20 last 20 episodes. Well, gang, big surprise. As of now, the last 100 episodes are available on all streaming sites. That includes the From the Vault episodes. All of the episodes, the last 100 episodes from this episode back are available now on all streaming services, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast. Go there. It, whichever one you're subscribed to, whichever one you use the most, go subscribe to How Did I Get Here. Follow us, rate us, leave us a comment if you can, and, uh, and check out the episodes, man. Get out there and enjoy the last 100 episodes of How Did I Get Here on your favorite streaming services. Let's get down. Johnny, I'm your host. Welcome to the show. I hope you guys have all had a good week, whatever it is you do during the week. Man, what a great, incredible amount of relief we have received here in Central Texas by this heat dome going away and these temperatures going back down to something that we can are actually like manageable temperatures, something that we can work with. I actually been taking my dog out and playing with me and Rosie have been going out and playing in the afternoon this week, which is pretty awesome. I'm actually doing this on Thursday morning, this intro on Thursday morning before I go to Skyrocket rehearsal. And it's actually raining and like 71 degrees outside, like a normal temperature. Rain is happening again. I bet the ground is just freaking out. It's like, oh my God, what is this? What's happening to me? Even Rosie, like we would normally go out and play early in the morning before it gets too hot. And she's like walking around the house going like, did I do something wrong? Why aren't we outside playing? Why is it raining? Did you do this on purpose? Did I do something wrong? <laughs> anyway, glad to be doing that. Um, looks like this Ken Paxton impeachment trial in Texas is, is coming to a close. I've watched a few hours of it over the last couple of weeks. I'm not going to lie. I've gotten sucked in. Uh, I always I, I feel like I'm a sucker for watching like trials. You know, I, I don't know if you are, too, but like I get sucked in. I get sucked into the uh, the pace of it. I like watching those guys having to come up with different ways to ask a question. Anyway, 
Uh, we'll see what happens with that. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. It's pretty confusing, but uh, we'll see what's going to happen. Gang, I have a great big show for you guys today. A great big show. I've got two different guests. Uh, I'll be talking to Mexican-born, Texas-based Latin pop, more specifically, mariachi influence pop artist Leslie Reynaga. She's got a brand new record on Space Flight Records called Vela Rosa. Fantastic, gorgeous record produced by uh, Nick Clark, who worked with Kanye West and Adrian Quesada and all these kind of people. You can go to fi- find her at LeslieReynaga.com. She just got back from playing Lollapalooza 2023. Uh, she did this record at the Orb, and we have a really, we really, we have a really, really great conversation conversation about her journey in music and like uh, growing up in Mexico, but not really discovering mariachi music until she moved to the U.S. and then going to college here and then getting involved in her community. She's very involved in the Latin American, the Mexican American community, and she does all kinds of stuff for them. But before we talk to the great Leslie Reynaga, my dear old friend, Christine Albert, who has the nonprofit Swan Songs, is returning to the show today. Now, Swan Songs fulfills musical last wishes by organizing private concerts for individuals with a terminal illness or nearing the end of life. At no cost to the family or facility, a favorite style of music or regional musician is brought directly to the home or care facility. Now, they've been doing this for a long time, and they're having their 13th annual Swan Song Serenade on Sunday, October 29th at the Four Seasons Austin. That'll take place from 6 to 10 p.m., featuring entertainment by the great Jackie Venson, a favorite of the show. Uh, there'll be a cocktail reception, seated dinner, silent and live auctions, and the whole thing will be hosted by the great Judy Maggio from television. If you live in Austin, you've known Judy Maggio for years. You know, uh, you know Christine Albert for years. You know, uh, I've known Christine Albert since I was about 13 years old. And in fact, the first time I ever played at a place at like a, a bar was at the Wanchi Brothers Cafe and Saloon in Spring, Texas, when I was 13 years old with Christine Albert and my mom's friends, a friend, uh, Kathleen Luce. That's a very exciting story. But anyway, Christine has been coming on for years. Every year at about this time, she comes on and talks about the Swan Song Serenade. I'm a huge fan of Christine's. I'm a huge fan of what she does with Swan Songs. And Swan Songs is actually expands, expanding. They've started their National Expansion Initiative. A limited number of, of, of uh, communities will be invited to establish a Swan Songs affiliate entity that aligns with the swan songs vision and principles by the end of 2023 so they'll be talking about that at this swan song serenade so uh tickets are available now for the swan song serenade that's what i wanted to tell you go to swansongs.org and without further ado before we talk to the great leslie reynaga let's talk to my dear old friend very quickly christine albert from swan songs about the 13th annual swan song serenade taking place sunday october 29th at the four seasons here in austin Well, congratulations. This is the 13th annual Swan Song Serenade. Yes. Yeah, I guess so. It's just amazing that it it keeps going. Yeah. Um, I actually have a a guitar that I want to try and get the signature of all the serenade artists this year as one of the auction items. Um, The only one that's no longer with us is Jerry Jeff. So I missed that window. But it made me think, I need to start gathering these signatures while I can. I thought the rest of them I can probably get. I'll have to do some, you know, send the guitar to Taos for Eliza to sign it and things like that. Right, right. <laughs> Actually, but, yeah. Do you? It's a nice legacy of artists. 
yeah, an amazing legacy. And this year you're adding to that by having the great Jackie Benson on the show, uh, on the, on the lineup. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. When I was, um, when I was, we were doing one year, we did a healthcare serenade during the pandemic. We didn't, we had a virtual event that we right. just had Austin um, record a song and a message for the healthcare community. And then we presented all those on an, um, our event. Um, and release them throughout the weeks. But Jackie did one, and um, she was just really supportive of Swan Songs. And she and Louie were, you know, said anything we can do. And so I thought it would be just great to get the next generation in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just talented and cares about the mission. So it'll be great. And, an, and a native of the, of Austin. Exactly. Yeah. And her dad is a musician. Right. Yeah. yeah. So she, she gets it. She understands the value of the mission and the importance of supporting the music community, which is part of our mission. Yeah. By compensating the artist. Yeah. Um, I, I'll talk about all of that in the intro part of this and explain what it is that you guys do. But this is, right. I mean, you've been on a bunch of times for this. Like it yeah. seems like every year for a long time. Yeah. And one thing mm-hmm. I noticed that this year there's a different chair. Do you have a different event chair for every year? Yeah, we do. Okay. We do. And like last year it was um, Celeste and Adrian Casada. Uh-huh. And this year it's uh, one of our board members, Liz Land, who was the director at the Irwin Center and worked at the Irwin Center for years, um, very connected in the community, embedded um, passionate and then um, Mafalda's hand who's wonderful she and her husband are supporters of swan songs so she's always volunteered on the event so she and liz are are chairing it and are helping to organize it yeah and it'll be at, sorry it'll be at the four seasons again which it's been at yeah. a lot of times uh that'll be sunday uh october 9th at the four seasons from 6 to 10 october 29th october 29th sorry what did i say october 9th yeah. Sorry. Uh, Sunday, October yeah. 29th at the Four Seasons Austin, 6 to 10 p.m. with uh, musical guest Jackie Benson. There'll be a cocktail reception, seated dinner, silent and live auctions. And this year it'll be hosted by TV's Judy Maggio. Yeah. She's cool. <laughs> yeah. Judy's great. Yeah. Um, Susan, you know, loves swan songs. So it's nice to have her energy there. She's a big supporter of Austin music, like long time. I remember I have a very embarrassing story where I was, I was walking through Momo's and I think John D. Graham was playing and I saw her uh, standing there talking to somebody and I looked and there was a pole in the middle of Momo's and I just right. walked right into it face first, right in front of her. Like to the point where she was like, oh my God, are you okay? <laughs> yes, and it's so nice to meet you. Yeah, exactly. It's like I was distracted yeah. by the news. Lady. Like, aren't you supposed to be on television? Yeah. Uh, she did um, a beautiful story for Decibel, the show that she had on PBS for a while, um, about one of our concerts. Oh, fantastic. And she and, and was there. And um, the Chuck Wagon Gang, which is a longtime gospel, like uh, Southern Gospel Group, oh. um, a bluegrass gospel. And they were from... Kentucky and all over the place, kind of a legendary group. And the requester had said, she said, well, his favorite band, his wife said his favorite band is the Chuck Wagon Gang. And, um, but, you know, anything like that. So 
So Karen, who works with us, just got online just to see. And they were going to be in Texas or somewhere, yeah, somewhere in Texas in the coming weeks. And she called them up and they ended up doing the concert. So it was really special. The guy was just like, I can't believe they're in my house. And that's <laughs> it was so a very awesome. beautiful thing that Judy did. Yeah, that's really awesome. Uh, you know, one of the other things that I noticed is that um, uh, there's a national expansion initiative. Do you want to talk about that? That's really interesting. Yeah, it's, we're deep into it. You know, we started um, actually during the pandemic to have that conversation to say, okay, let's, let's figure this out. Right before the pandemic, we hired a consultant to sort of analyze our mission and our organization and to see whether or not we were uh, scalable, whether or not other communities, it would make sense for other communities, mostly because I'd had so many calls over the years. I constantly had people calling and saying, how do we do this year? And I just wanted to have an answer. Um, even if the answer was no, even after we did that analysis, it was like, nah. Um, but we decided to keep going forward. She said, no, this mission, you know, definitely resonates and can be replicated in other communities. Uh, but the the challenge has been and the work has been deciding first what the model is. Are these other offices of Swan Songs or are they um, organizations under our tax exempt status or are they independent 501c3s? So we worked through all of that, and we have all the legal agreements built. We have branding guidelines, a trademark licensing agreement. We have all the framework for training. So once a community um, engages and applies and enrolls and is approved and sets up their organization, then they come to Austin for three days of training. And we walk them through all the different aspects of how you do the outreach to the professional hospice community, how you engage with the musicians, what type of musicians are you looking for, what are the agreements and the guidelines, the privacy forms. We have, uh, we're in the middle of creating a custom app um, for concert management. We've been using a, a custom database uh, workflow sort of database that a volunteer had built for us that worked beautifully for years. And we're kind of updating that and creating the new one that's a little more streamlined and that people can work with on their iPhone and their iPad. So we'll be able to offer tools to other communities. And they will be part of a network of swan songs, individual, separate, independent 501c3s. So they're their own legal entity, but they're tied to us through um, governance and through some, you know, branding requirements, mission fit. Sure. Uh, but then start sharing ideas with each other and learning from each other and building this network of communities around the country that want to lean into the process of dying and have that conversation and bring music into that conversation. Yeah. So I'm really excited. We have one community that's right on the verge that will probably be established by the end of this year, more as a beta test, because we kind of have to, before we open it wide, we need to have sure. one group that, okay, let's test our training, let's test our agreements, let's right. get them set up. That process is going to teach us so much. So we're going very slowly, but we're going very intentionally. So it's exciting. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah. This is your 18th year of being? Yeah. Yeah. How? Yeah. So it's, it's been, you know, I we grew it very slowly, too, because I was a full-time musician, and 
and didn't know how to do a nonprofit, put together a great board, and we've all sort of just built it together as a community. Um, but it's really in the last, you know, probably um, nine years or so that it exponentially started to grow and formalize, and we have really good practices, nonprofit, um, and, and a great staff. Uh, and I do this more full time now than anything else that I do. So wow. the pie chart where I spend my time has yeah, yeah. changed since 2005. Wow. And you feel good about yeah. that? I, I do. I, I mean, I enjoy the work, but I, you know, I, my creative self is a little starved right now. Sure. So I definitely, um, Something about the pandemic, you know, we had to pull back from live performance so much, but swan songs continued on, and I was on Zoom just working constantly. So as we've come back, um, I've had a hard time figuring out how to fit that all back into my life, the music part. And we are performing, but then my back issues started. So then I had to start pulling back because of that. So when when I come out of this, you know, later this year and next year, we have a lot of things booked with, you know, kind of those concert gigs that we love to do. Yeah. And we're going to continue doing those. I'll start doing those more and do some recording. I have some recording ideas that I really want to dig into. Yeah. So it'll be, I'll find it. Good. And our goal, our goal is to have, you know, have the, the local organization managed by, um, our group other than me needing to be as much a part of it sure. and shift my building this community, the national, you know, bringing on new communities and supporting them and uh, building a a kind of a different structure. The national organization will have to support all the local ones. It's not about delivering the program as much as training and inspiring and overseeing other communities that are doing that. And I I really want to do that because I feel like that's uh, my calling, my next calling. Yeah. Is to open you know, I feel like I wanted to open the gates, but you can't open the gates unless you really have a structure that that protects the organization and gives the people, it gives the other communities what they need to really do it and not have to take as long as we did to get it off the ground. Yeah, man, and you know what you did, Christine? That's that's really hard to do in this day and age. You started uh-huh. something that no one else, like you started something that wasn't there before. Yeah, right. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I think that's part of why my uh, uh, creativity is not as starved is because this feels like a creative process to me. It is, yeah. Um, And uh, I have a little prayer that I wrote years and years ago that I say every morning, my own custom prayer. But part of it, it used to be, um, let my music be the instrument of expression. And um, for, you know, just my contribution to the world. And I've shifted it to creativity. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm not necessarily singing every day, but I'm. But my contribution is, is very creative in terms of what I do with Swan Songs and how I feel about it and envisioning it, you know, and, and vi- the vision part of it is really important to me. And what I have to do is find and let go of the uh, detail part of it that's, um, there's just still so much of it. You, everybody's like, where's that document? And I was like, oh, that's on my computer. Like, I have this historical archive of knowledge that's gradually being moved to 
the cloud where everybody can access it in a way that makes sense. Like, where would that be? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, where, where would Christine have put that? <laughs> but it's not there. So much of it is still so based on my systems and my knowledge. Right. And so I'm working on that because it's hard. You can't really let it go if you're the end all for yeah. information. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so basically, like you're saying that later this year, or next year, you'll be back doing some shows. Are you going to be back doing Don's Depot with Chris and stuff? Yes. Um, and, you know, I'm supposed to be there one Saturday a month for sure. Okay. And uh, and I've had the last few, I've had the last two, I think Nick Connolly or Ben Jones have filled in for me because my back was, this issue was making it difficult right. to stand right like the time. Um, and then the recovery. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so in September, I'm not sure if I'm going to be at that one. I have a conflict, um, of something for the recording Academy that if I'm well enough, I want to go do Yeah. on that day. But I, yeah, I'm going to start doing my, my Saturdays at Don's and we have like concert series in Arlington and Beagle Boy and, um, Marble Falls theater and, you know, things like that, that are booked. That's great. Um, that I'm going to, you know, we're going to start putting more on the book. Yeah. But for now, also congratulations. Like this is, uh, this is, you've really built Swan Songs up to something so great. And uh, I want to know, want to let people know that by the time this comes out, tickets will be available. You can find them mm-hmm. by going to swansongs.org mm-hmm. and um, finding out more about Swan Songs through there as well, all of their services. Uh, this is the 13th annual Swan Song Serenade taking place Sunday, October 29th at the Four Seasons Austin from 6 to 10 p.m. Featuring music from Jackie Benson, a cocktail reception, seated dinners, silent and live auctions, and all hosted by TV's Judy Maggio. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I'm, glad, I'm glad that you're on the mend and you're going to get out and start playing again. Yeah, I know. Me too. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I keep going, oh, my God, my calluses are going away. Oh, yeah. I, this really feels like the longest that I haven't played. Like even when Troop was born, you know, he was, he was like, you know, two weeks late and I had Kerrville books. So I ended up and I thought it was going to be, have been longer. So I ended up, you know, playing again, not too long after he was born. So I don't know when I've gone this long without playing guitar, especially that's, that's the, ah, I gotta get those. Can you do like ukulele or something since it's light and small? Yeah, you know, a few years ago, I did switch to a smaller, a lighter okay. guitar. When I had when this back issue first was giving me problems, like seven years ago, I had a, a smaller surgery that was really taking care of one of the symptoms, not the cause. Um, mm. And so I did start playing a smaller guitar because I always played a big dreadnought, you know, yeah, for yeah. years. Yeah. I really likes the feel of a smaller guitar. But um, yeah, I'm just going to have to decide whether I need to sit during the performance or standing for four hours with a guitar right now doesn't sound feasible, no. but it will be, it will be. I know I'm, I'm progressing. I just blew it this week. Well, <laughs> I just went backwards this week. I was doing really well. And then it freaked me out to be, to go backwards, but, but I'm, I'm coming out of it quickly. Yeah, Don't take out the garbage. Take, I know it's hard to take it easy for somebody like you. Cause you're always so busy, but be sure you yeah, take you it just, easy. When, you know, at first it was easy because I wasn't doing anything. All right. my whole job, heal. And now that I'm trying to engage with the world, you just intuitively do something and then go ah. Yeah. And I was halfway through and should have just stopped. And instead, I pushed. I pushed through because that's my thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, don't forget to take it easy. And um, congratulations again on this. And I'm glad that you're on the mend. And yeah, it's good to see you. your face thank as you, always. Thanks, thanks for always helping us spread the word. Yeah, no problem, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, everyone get out there to the 13th annual Swan Song Serenade. Go to swansongs.org for all your needs. Yeah. Thanks for doing the show again. Thank you. That was Christine Albert. This uh, 13th annual Swan Song Serenade takes place Sunday, October 29th at the Four Seasons here in Austin from 6 to 10 p.m. Featuring music from Jackie Benson. There'll be a cocktail reception, seated dinner, silent and live auction, and it'll all be hosted by television's Judy Maggio. Tickets are available now. Go to swansongs.org for all of your Swan Songs need. I hope that, uh, that Christine gets her back all straightened out. Seems like she's doing better than she was when we talked, so... Uh, and hopefully I'll be seeing her around playing some music. All right. Get out there and check out the uh, 13th annual Swan Song Serenade. Go to swansongs.org. Gang, uh, now let's talk to uh, Mexican-born, Texas-based Leslie Reynaga. Now, uh, her brand new album, as I said, Vela Rosa, is out on Spaceflight Records. She's finally found a way that we have a really great conversation about this. Her, her mariachi music influence and her pop influence finally have come together in a way that I think is super original and really good. This record's fantastic. As I said, it was produced by Nick Clark, who worked with Kanye West, who people, I guess, don't like anymore, and <laughs> and uh, the great Adrian Quesada, who people still love. If you have children, you can see her uh, tomorrow, Saturday, September 16th, at the Breakfast Boogie at the Far Out Lounge. That takes place at 10 a.m. at the Far Out Lounge. Uh, the Breakfast Boogie is a fun and engaging live concert series for kids and their grown-ups under the shady trees at the Far Out Lounge in South Austin. You can go to LeslieRaynaga.com for all of your Leslie. Leslie Reynaga needs. She'll also be playing next Tuesday for Ham Day at 5 p.m. at Fairground Austin. She'll be playing on September 23rd at Format Festival in Bentonville, Arkansas. And she'll be doing a very special show, a very special record release show on Saturday, September 30th at the Rollins Theater at the Long Center. All right. That was a lot of information. But Leslie and I have a really great conversation about growing up in Mexico and not really finding mariachi music until she moved to the States. And then, you know, finding finding her way in the States. And we talk about immigration, how the immigration uh, issue affects not only uh, her people, but her family and herself directly. Really, really great conversation. She's a really fantastic artist and a really lovely, lovely person. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with the immensely talented and incredibly cool Leslie Reynaga. Let's get down. Que si somos canela, ojos marrones. Piel claro, piel morena, mismas pasiones, fuertes como cortés y Moctezuma, tintada en la misma pluma. Vamos subiendo entre montañas y valles, estas tierras siempre fueron nuestras calles. Cuando griten criminales, cuando what part of Mexico are you from? I'm actually, so I was born and raised in Monterrey, Mexico. Oh, nice. Yeah. Not far from here. I always like to joke that it's uh, closer to get to Monterrey than it is to El Paso. It's true. <laughs> yep. Texas is a big state. It is a big state. When did you come here? Um, I arrived in the U.S. when I was 16. Okay. My dad has roots in South Texas in the Valley. Okay. So I lived in McAllen for two years before I moved to Austin. All right. Um, why? Why did you guys move from Monterrey? 
So my um, my siblings and I grew up with my mom down in Monterey. So uh-huh. my parents split up when we were little. And ever since, my, my dad has lived in South Texas. And we lived in, in Monterey with my mom. So okay. we actually spent... My whole childhood, we went back and forth, um, just, you know, uh, summers, any kind of free time that we had, we would come and visit my dad in McAllen. And then um, around that time, um, it was about 08 when I decided to move over here. Um, I wanted to learn English and it was supposed to be a temporary thing that ended up becoming permanent. What was it that kept you here? Well, so um, a couple of things. Um I started going to high school down in in the valley, and I joined the mariachi ensemble in my high school, which was kind of unusual to you know a recent arrival yeah. in the U.S. to think, wait, there's mariachis on like in the public school system. That just didn't make any sense to me because coming from Mexico, that is unheard of. Right. Um. So it just turns out that. I had this great opportunity to engage in music and I fell in love with it. Um, the other thing is I started getting a, a, quite a few opportunities to go to college. I started getting um, scholarships and, and so that kept me around. Were you a good student? I was a really good student. I um, Yeah, I, I take pride on that. I was like the nerdy girl who was like, trying to make sure everybody around her would be quiet so I could listen to the teacher. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That was me. (laughs) What do you make of uh, sort of the state of immigration that we deal with on a day-to-day basis now in America? You know, um, immigration has been around forever and ever, and not just in this country, everywhere in the globe. It just, it's, it's something that is never going to stop. Of course, you know, as somebody who not only is an immigrant, but I happen to be of Mexican descent, the I guess the a lot of the rhetoric that has come to light, you know, in the in the recent years, you know, about Mexicans and Latinos, you know, not being good enough to to contribute to to the country. I think it's it's disheartening, but at the same time, it's also, I think, a motivation for a lot of us to prove that rhetoric wrong and. And just, you know, you don't have, we don't have anything to prove, right. but in a way we do. Um, and, you know, anytime I hear about any situations with shootings or something going wrong in my head, I'm always thinking, please let it not be a Latino last name. Please sure. let it not be a Latino or Hispanic yeah, yeah. last name because it just creates this perfect opportunity to contribute to that um yeah. You know that rhetoric about people yeah. of certain descent and it that goes division. To the, yeah. So, so in a way, again, um, even though there's nothing to prove, the stakes are really high for for immigrant communities. And um, again, it's it's not new, but I think the fact that the hate has become almost um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I think that's a part that has has just been a little bit unsettling. Yeah. Yeah, that is the part that's been a little unsettling. Yeah. There was like a green light for racism back in 2016 mm-hmm. that we all like have yeah. to deal with. Yeah. Um, I I'm I lived in Mexico when I was a kid. Nice. What part? Yeah, in uh in the state of Veracruz in a oh. little town called Fortín de las Flores. Okay. And um, but I'm I'm Cuban. My parents were both born in Cuba. I was nice. born in Miami. Nice. Um, but I love uh. 
I love Mexico. I loved traveling in there when I was a kid. Like, is there, do you miss it? I do. And at the same time, I'm very lucky to get to go back and forth. Yeah. So my mom still lives down in, in Monterey. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my tios, tias, I have so many, so many family yeah, yeah, members. Yeah. So, you know, if anything, at least around the holidays, yeah. it's always spent in, in Mexico. Um, um, you know, I got, try to travel back and forth as much as possible. But of course, you know, the the daily life is something that you miss because it's a complete cultural shock. I mean, the U.S. and Mexico, even though we have a lot of similarities, there's also, I think, the lifestyle oh, of, yeah, it's you know, a lot um, different, yeah. in the U.S., you know, you, yeah. you, you, you live to work and in, in Latin America, you kind of just work to live. And right. it just, it's that culture that is very prominent. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it also ends up contributing to the, you know, overall success of the country. And, you know, Mexico is all about fiesta party. Let's hang yeah, out. Yeah. Let's have a good time. And, yeah. and there's not so much that like very focused minded right. um, culture that the U.S. has, which is what has made it into a world power. Right. Well, it seems like when um, same thing with with Cuban people, it seems like the people that came when Castro took over, that was my family, were the people that had that sort of like work ethic mm-hmm. in them and the less party time. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. they, I, I feel like, I feel like a lot of uh, you seem extremely industrious to me, just in my research of you, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I've, Monterey is the third biggest city in Mexico. So, yeah. so it's, you know, I was, I was raised in a, in a culture and a family where it was all about succeeding and looking to the future and Correct. the opportunities that you are given because, you know, my, my mom's family made its way up, um, you know, from small towns, you know, my, my, uh, abuelito, my mom's dad was from the state of Durango. My abuelita was from the state of Zacatecas, small towns. Eventually, they uh, moved to Monterey so that they could allow for their 11 children to have educational opportunities and go to school. And so from there, you know, that was a generation that my mom was raised in. So then, you know, here comes um, uh, myself and my cousins and my siblings. And so we there's an expectation that there was a certain... um, opportunity that our grandparents gave us to right. to be raised in in opportunity and i think that's you know again that's very much um part of the culture that we share with mexico the u.s you know people people try to find ways to improve and better yeah not only their own futures but the next generations right right and it's funny because that's the part that i feel like is 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 overlooked that that all of the people that are against uh, immigration and all this sort of uh, no Rosie down sorry hey Rosie I will spray this thing um, sorry uh, it seems like they they forget that humanity that the reason why they're here is because their four fathers were trying to find a better opportunity for them from wherever they were coming from be it India be it Germany England yeah. Anyway, and and again, you know, it's like you said, the humanizing of people. I think that's something that somehow has gotten lost. Yeah. Um, and thinking about, you know, the a lot of the people, you know, I'm I'm a very um um I'm, I'm blanking out on the word. Um, I'm a I, I I'm a very privileged immigrant. 
because Correct. I got to arrive right. in this country through a direct pathway of citizenship through my dad. Correct. Um, you know, I, I get to go to school and drive around and not be worried about whether, you know, I'm going to get pulled over and right. um, something's going to go wrong right. because, you know, I don't have legal status. I mean, I the privilege that I have, I know that there's a ton of other people that they don't. And, yeah. and you know, you got to realize that for somebody to go through life like that, risking their own, you know, their own um lives like that it's and let alone just talking about making that journey to cross the border i mean it's imagine what you're coming imagine what you're leaving Mm -hmm. what you're risking Mm -hmm. is everything yeah so what you're leaving must be so bleak Mm -hmm. that there's no you need that opportunity exactly and and that's what where i think things get lost in translation nobody you know if if these immigrants could have the opportunities that are available in the U.S. Yeah. in their own countries. They would not. They would be not leaving. come here. No. They just wouldn't. No. And and it's I know it's it's almost common sense, but somehow people seem to forget it. They just seem they do. to not think about it in those terms. Well, I feel like I, this is what I've started to feel like over the last few years. And tell me if you think I'm wrong. I I believe that the immigration thing is something that no one actually wants to solve at the political level because it's it's hey. Sorry. You're good. You're going to go to jail. It's every time I'm about to say something serious, she she does something ridiculous. <laughs> um, it seems like they don't want to solve it because it's too, uh, it generates too much for them politically. Like it's easy for the left to vilify the right for treating the immigrants the way that they do. And they kind of need that enemy mm-hmm. politically. Yeah. It's very sad to say this. And yeah. very cynical to say this, but I think it's true. And I think the right, as much as they freak out about it, mm-hmm. they don't want to solve it either. They yeah. had all the chance in the world to do stuff of a few years ago. Yeah. It do all like- the stuff they said they were going to do. And they, did, they didn't do it because it would solve the problem. And then they wouldn't have a boogeyman to scare everyone with. Right. Which is just ridiculous because that breeds hatred and racism. And this guy. We'll let this guy go by before uh, we say anything else. Um, <laughs> no, your voice is loud enough coming through. <laughs> Good. Um, you know, I, I guess something to think about is the fact that, it, you know, immigration, again, it's been around and it's it's not going to stop if you put up a wall. I mean, it, no, let's just it's be not. real. Yeah. And, and there's there's also not an easy solution. That, no, there's that, not. That much is true. Yeah. You know, if there was an easy solution, I'm sure somebody would have already come up with it. Um, it's just that in the process of figuring out how to handle it, we need to just be a little bit more humane. That's right. That's correct. I agree with you. This has really gotten off to a good start, man. Good. This is fired up. <laughs> what if this wasn't a music podcast? You came on, on this new political show. <laughs> immigration <laughs> see si or no con Johnny um, your record Velarosa is great man thank it's you it's really great and uh, you were saying that that uh, that you ended up staying you you connected with the mariachi uh, program in your school uh-huh. in McAllen yep and uh, and <laughs> go sweetie sorry Rosie leave her alone here um you connected with that mariachi thing. It seems like musically with this record, you've come back to that. Whatever that is. Is that your main style of music? That, that, is that your song within you? Mariachi 
is the music that moves me okay. 100%. And, yeah. and I think it's, you know, it took me a while to realize that because, you know, I grew up in the 90s listening right. to Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears right. and the Backstreet Boys. You know, I had an older sister, so inevitably right, right. I was listening to all the boy <laughs> right. bands. Right. And, um, and, and of course, also being from northern Mexico where there's such a you know, culture sharing, um, because we're so close to the, can you, to the U.S. Right. Can you get like American radio stations oh, from there? I mean, well, not radio stations, but, but the local radio stations, radio stations pick up all of the biggest right. pop hits in the okay, U.S. Okay. So it's, it's very much just shared culture in that way. And of course, you know, this was the era of CDs. So right. we had that, my brother just hated all of this music. So he was like done with it. He's like, can, can we please not play Chris Nagular anymore? <laughs> we right, just right. had these CDs right. on repeat. But um, but anyway, um, you know, I listened to a lot of pop music and, and I just had a lot of um, influences in, in that world until suddenly, you know, I, I discover mariachi music as a performing art, not so much as, you know, listening to mariachi on Christmas Day, which is how right. I was usually exposed to mariachi music. Right. Um, because, right. it, you know, mariachi music is a folkloric type of Mexican music yeah. that it, it tends to be prominent in like special occasions, you know, serenatas. You right. have the, the Mother's Day serenade and then you have the Christmas, um, you know, special occasions. That's how I normally um, saw mariachi music. It was like a, like, music for a celebration right. versus listening to it as a, as a craft and as right. an art. And I right. think that's something that even though, again, my mom did listen to Juan Gabriel and Rocio Durcal, and, you know, those were some of her favorite artists that also played uh, on repeat with CDs right, in the right. car. Um, it wasn't something that I tried to even emulate or or I'd never even tried to sing a mariachi song in, in that style until I arrived in, in Texas. Okay. And I okay. suddenly I'm in this group, which, by the way, a funny story how I even landed there. Um, I was taking a, a, an elective a classical guitar course mm -hmm. and the teacher for for the for the class ended up being the director of the mariachi uh, group at, at my high school. So that's how um, he just approached me. I was like, hey, you know can you sing? Do you like to sing? I was like, well, I actually sing a lot better than I play. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so he's like, well, you know, this is who I am. We have a mariachi. And that obviously took me aback. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to try it out. And I, I've been doing it ever since. I saw you had like a whole mariachi group in, uh, at, at ACL, did you have Lollapalooza too? Yeah, That's we awesome. did. Yeah, so what we ended up ended up doing is do you get guys local or do you bring your own guys? So we, um, I had a couple of my guys come to Chicago with me, okay. but we also worked with local groups, and that included um, a, a local profe professional mariachi, but also the um, so here in Austin at uh, ACL Fest we had. UT Mariachi joined us on stage oh, nice. because I actually was part of the UT Mariachi Paredes for three years while oh, I was really? a student. Yes. Oh, nice. Um, so, so I still have, you know, close ties with them. And so we invited them to join at ACL. And so then whenever we went to Chicago, we ended up inviting the Northwestern University uh, Mariachi group. How cool. Yeah. So that's how, uh, how that came to be. And it was a lot of fun. And again, us... Somebody who used to be in, in student groups and student ensembles. Right. You know, hopefully it's another opportunity and a platform for these students to see, like, what they could do with this music. Right. Because, you know, it's if you love it and if it's something that you're passionate about, you can put it on the stage of Lollapalooza if you want. I mean, 
Who's yeah. going to tell you otherwise? You just got to do it. And if you could do it, I mean, you're obviously committed to it. I saw some video from, I can't remember if it was Lollapalooza or, or Austin City Limits Music Festival. One of them. I saw some video. Uh-huh. And, uh, I mean, you owned it, you know? And, and it's something that I'm so proud of because, again, it always goes back to, you know, with any kind of folkloric music, it connects you with your roots and your history and your family. And I think um, it always also brings me back full, full circle because my the first song that I ever learned to sing was a traditional Mexican song that my abuelita taught me off of an old songbook that she had lying around in a closet. So, so every time I think about landing in you know mariachi music and yeah. then having the opportunity to bring it on stage yeah i'm i'm reminded of the videos that i have in kindergarten singing and dancing in front of my little kindergarten school oh that's and awesome just being, Leslie. you know being that that girl the center of attention and just singing and dancing and and, yeah. <laughs> and it was just again when you're four or five years old yeah. you don't think about any of this stuff you don't even know what you're doing somebody forced me to do it between my mom and my grandma sure um but i loved it i really did you yeah. can tell when this little kid just starts dancing you know that there's something there yeah um and then fast forward you know when i'm an adult and, and i'm playing these amazing stages that i never even would have dreamed of playing um having the opportunity to bring my roots and yeah. the music of my my ancestors on stage it means a lot. Yeah. Well also like it's so interesting because there's it's you're not the only person playing mariachi music but you think to yourself you're bringing such a fresh you're bringing it into this this new into 2023. Like you're breathing fresh air into it because the most you can really hope for if you're in a mariachi band is like that you'll get a thing at the Riverwalk in San Antonio that pays good or you mm-hmm. get good tips at the thing or playing quinceañeras or whatever, playing a restaurant. Mm-hmm. But you're playing the stages at like fucking Lollapalooza <laughs> and Austin City Limits Music Festival along with like Little Yachty and Billie Eilish and stuff like this. And it makes total sense because that music deserves a, a breath of fresh air. It's the same kind of feeling that I got from... Uh, from Adrian Quesada's, not his last album, but the but Bolero Psicodélicos, mm. which was my favorite record of last year. Are you, are you familiar with mm-hmm. it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You ever work with him? No, I haven't. No, but I. Uh, oh my God! Yeah, what would happen? The, the world would explode. <laughs> yeah, well, super talented guy. Lots of respect for him. But you know, Jeez, boleros yeah. end up being adopted through through mariachi music. Exactly. Too. Exactly. So it's you know mariachi music encompasses so much territory because yeah. it through the gener I guess through the decades and the different generations yeah. in order for it to reach newer audiences it started incorporating things that weren't part of sure, original sure, yeah, mariachi. Yeah. I mean yeah. the the son Jalisciense is how it all started right. and then eventually it starts you know in the in the I guess uh, 20th century it incorporates those boleros which are the ballads those right. are the like you know sweet slow dance type of um songs that are catchy and that people wouldn't listen to so yeah. so you know mariachi then ends up encompassing so much ground even cumbia you know yeah. like it, it's just there's so much crossover between regional and right. and, and tejano and mariachi and there's just so much overlap yeah that you know it's 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 an art form of its own but again in in terms of my own music and, yeah, and yeah. my project 
I'm really honored and, and, and just glad to hear that you were able to pick up on the idea of trying to put it in a in a more contemporary light because sure. that's what I'm hoping to do. Yeah. Whether I mean, I'm succeeding or not, I don't know. But, yeah. But hopefully we can breathe a little bit of that yeah. fresh air into it. And you're a young person and you're you're doing uh, your, like what Gary Clark Jr. is doing. Hmm. You know what I mean? He's in, He's set in a traditional thing, but he's doing it now in a new time. And that's why he's playing the ACL Festival and not like, and no offense, not that it's bad to be playing some small blues club somewhere, but it is that sort of like infusion of newness, newness and freshness that really sort of like gives it this new lift in life. And people are like, look at it in a new light. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and maybe again, young people will go back and, and discover those records your grandmother was into because of it. Exactly. And that's something that I always see whenever I play live. And if I ever bring a mariachi classic on stage with me, um, really no matter the the audience's age somebody everybody if not if not everybody at least a good group of people will even have heard of the song yeah because their grandparents used to listen to their parents right used to listen right. to it they've heard it at a serenata somewhere they've heard it somewhere but it's it's the kind of music that has been around for so long yeah. that inevitably you're familiar with it and and in a lot of the times, it really does bring you back home. Yeah. Even if you're a third generation Mexican American or Latino, because for yeah, yeah. that matter, you yeah, know, yeah. mariachi music sure. is Latin music. It it spread itself all over Latin America. So even for somebody who's Cuban, sometimes you know they might hear "Besame Mucho" and they might hear yeah. some of these songs exactly. in, in in mariachi version, and it's right. it just connects you with your roots and it makes you think of home. Yeah. And I think that's the power of, of, you know, some of these more folkloric types of music. Right. I was always more uh, like uh, my grandparents were friends with Pedro Vargas. Oh. Yeah. I have some neat memorabilia I'll show you later. Nice. I love to see it. But like his kids were friends with my mom and her sisters and then their grandkids I was friends with. Mm. But uh, like that guy's music stuck with me. Like I like when I that's why I think I connected so hard with Adrian's record because his those sort of things that you hear when you're a kid, like, you know, the Beatles were my mom's favorite band when I, when I was a kid and, and the thing that everyone was listening to. And that's what my music sounds like. You know what I mean? Like the same as yours. Like, like it's just kind of like something that's ingrained in you. And no matter if you're doing it on a Casio, it still has that thing that informs where you started. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. So you got accepted to UT? Yes. I went to UT and uh, I ended up, I always thought that I was going to be a music major except that I never in my life took a music lesson. <laughs> so of course I wasn't like possibly even going to pass any kind of sight reading audition yeah, yeah, of any yeah, sort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, um, I, I ended up applying to uh, the communication school. So I majored in public relations and I got in and that's, that's what I did. I was very fortunate and again that's something else that i never even my wildest dreams would have thought i would go to you know a a united states university i mean in in my head you know you grow up and you think that you have your life figured out and of course i was going to go to el tecnologico de monterrey i already had my life figured out what were you gonna do what were you gonna Um, do um who knows all i knew that was that i was going to join the music ensembles when i was in in college that's in my head i didn't know what i was going to do for school but i knew that i was going to join 
either a like a, a theater ensemble, sure, sure. a musical theater. I in my head that's that's kind of what my path was. Yeah. And then again, you know, I ended up moving to to Texas and and I landed in this new art form called mariachi music. And so um, whenever I graduated high school down in the valley, I um, I happened to have family that lived here in in the Austin area, and um, and they invited me to move move in with them. So I uh, ended up moving to Austin and, and applied for college and then got in. I actually um, did my first year at ACC, and then I transferred to UT. Awesome. So uh, so did you ever get a job like in public relations? Do you ever work in that sphere no. outside of being a yeah person so, relating so, to the public <laughs> professionally so yeah i actually i actually you know i always joke that i'm i feel like hannah montana um because i have like two lives you know i'm um hannah montana by night i don't know if you know what i'm talking about i know but, you're talking about um, I, yeah thank you though for not thinking i'm a perv that would sit around one i just know it because it was so popular of course yeah, and yeah. and so um my day job is in nonprofit. so i work with um affordable housing communities and i, I work very closely with you know low-income immigrant families and I still am able to kind of stay connected with my community and find ways to provide community resources and and provide any support that I can um but but that's kind of the closest that I've ever gotten to you know working in public relations it really is a lot of it is just community work yeah you're really cool thank you you friends with Carrie Rodriguez of course I am yeah yeah Yeah. guys have similar like you're good people good solid people you know well, I, I think she's a great person, so yeah. thanks for comparing us. Yeah, she's really <laughs> cool. I got to see one of those labor, uh, laboratorio shows. Yeah. Uh, a, hey, come on, Rosie. Back in like May, uh-huh. uh, there was a guy from North Carolina and also a guy from Mexico that, that had become a band. It was the oddest couple. <laughs> the, like the, the Mexican guy did not speak English and the other dude was like, well, hey, man, this is a thing. And then, he, and then he'd speak for like perfect Spanish. It was, it was so insane, but it was, <laughs> it was amazing. Well, it's funny that you're talking about Laboratorio because I don't know, Carrie, I hope I'm not spilling the beans, but we're actually going to be working together on one coming up. So. Awesome. <laughs> so, yes. I'll try and go to that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be amazing to see. We'll keep you posted. Um, Alex Marrero and I are very good friends. He's also, a, he's, part, he's half Cuban, half Mexican. Uh-huh. But he also, we both understand, because I, I have a connection to the nice. Mexicans as well. I don't <laughs> know how to say well, that. If, that I mean, when you, live, when you live in a country, you end up feeling connected with yeah. the culture. I mean, inevitably. Well, in fact, you know how, uh, I mean, people should know this. It is true. Within the Latino community, the, there's different factions, like Cubans don't like to be called Mexicans. Mexicans probably don't like to be called Cubans. So (laughs) I remember when I lived in Mexico, like I started off speaking Spanish. I totally sounded like a Cuban, but then I'd come back from like six months straight in Mexico and, and have a Mexican accent. I remember my grandmother being like, no, stop it. (laughs) It's funny because I've always thought that every other accent, every other Latino accent is better than, than, you know, Spanish from Mexico, just because we are like very, well, depends on what region of Mexico, of course, but it feels like it's a more bland, like boring, straight uh, versus you have like the, the seasoning and the like really juiciness of other countries. Um, So, hey, hopefully you you don't pick up Mexican Spanish. I'm sure Cuban Spanish is much better. Oh, come on. <laughs> um, the, the songs are, there's like different, it's like, it's like colloquialisms in America. You know what I mean? Like there's just a different song. Like uh, the way that I would talk was, uh, 
No, porque, no, porque es que, es que vamos a la casa. And then my grandmother was always like, no way, dude. Like, this is not, this is not the way we do it. She'd be like, no, tú vas a la casa. And I'd be like, ay, el autobús. No, no es un autobús, es un guagua, una guagua. Tomas la guagua. Nobody says any S's. <laughs> true, 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 true. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but I love that. I love the diversity of, of, you know, different Latin American countries, even though there's so much shared culture. Right. There's also a lot of, you know, diversity. And I think that's yeah. that's probably why we don't like to be called you know, Cubans or well, so Mexicans proud of or, you know, we want to we wanna showcase that even though there's a lot of common ground, right. there's specific individual identities within each country. Sure. You want to be with your people, tu yeah. tierra. Yeah. You know your place. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so you, you graduate UT. Were you playing music uh, like out in public? When you were in UT, or were you were you doing stuff within the school? I was playing both. So okay. it was through the UT Mariachi Paredes. That's how I got to engage with a lot of local communities. And okay. so, um, you know, beyond going to uh, the Riverwalk in San Antonio and getting some <laughs> of those really fun gigs, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I uh, we actually got to record a project for the the Butler School of Music, oh, where cool. they were doing this uh, world music. Um, compilation with different ensembles at UT and it, it included the the mariachi ensemble awesome so actually that was recorded at Michael Ramos's studio yes and so that's how I that's first, how you met him yeah that's how okay. I first met Michael and I ended up working with him on my my first EP um and in my second one he was involved in that too but but yeah so it was really through the the mariachi ensemble that I got to connect with like local producers um even um uh so I got to play at the Mexican-American Cultural Center uh-huh. my very last gig with the the UT mariachi before I graduated mm-hmm. Maya, the director, the mariachi director at the time, Mr. Zeke Castro, was getting an award of uh, excellence from the MAC. Okay. And, you know, the group got invited to play for that ceremony. And at the very end of that show, that's where I met um, Gavin Garcia, Uh who is my, really, he's more like a dad to me, but we work very closely together. We don't even, he calls himself my manager slash adopted I dad. thought wait I thought it was when it when his name came up on the phone I was like awesome she's coming with Gavin <laughs> Gavin would have been yeah. here um it's a that I don't know I feel like I we didn't you can do it by yourself yeah yeah he's like that's hey, you good got it. you got it by by you know by now we've we've been working together ever since that would that would have been like what 2014 wow. um and so we've been working together for a long time and again you just we've become family and so we're basically a, a team of two that has slowly grown into just a lot of support from the local community that's really great man yeah you know i know that he does stuff with uh a lot of stuff with alex vallejo mm-hmm. and i were we supposed to do did you do this thing at 2019 in the fall where people sang songs and it was a lot of different people Yes, One Road Austin. So so it's a show that... Um, I was sick. Oh, no. I was supposed to do this show, and I got this. Sometimes my allergies make my... Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it swells your vocal cords, oh. and you just, like, it's terrible. Yeah. So anyway, sorry. So you got stuck and couldn't go to that. I could not go. I could not sing the song I was supposed to. Somebody else, I think. There was like three shows like that I was doing that week. Like one song at a place. Yeah. Missed them all. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, um, uh, Gavin and, and Alex um, have been working 
um, closely and, and a group of other really great uh, musicians to um, Naga Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that um, uh, Quentin has gotten involved too with just... Um, Arispe? Uh, um, yes. Yeah. So so it's been a, a group of people that are coming together with EQ Austin. That's a nonprofit okay. organization. So awesome. yeah, they've just kind of been looking towards, you know, ways to um, bring more awareness of like different music genres sure. and spe- specifically music you know of color in diverse music yeah. in austin do you feel like since 2020 what i call it like after the summer that jackie took the stand <laughs> and said hey we're not doing this anymore you're going to change the way things work around here don't you feel like things have changed some um you can be honest you know i to me they do but even though i am hispanic i live the in the world of like some guy from sweden you know what I mean? <laughs> like I might as well be from like Montana. Hi, yeah. I'm David from Montana. <laughs> you know? Well, I I think that a lot of that it's just you know, I I think about it in terms of at the at, like at the city level. Let's talk about the city level. You know, there's there's been some work towards like getting more grants, making more funds available for for musicians. Sure. Um so so there's been certain areas of improvement that I feel like they've there's been initiatives put together to try to address the fact that there needs to be more support for musicians in general. Um, but I don't know. I don't know that I, I could say I, it's better. I mean, more like, like, uh, like in the avenue of equity, like, do you feel like mm-hmm. people are being represented <sighs> better than they were in 2019? In 2023, do you feel like you see more shades of people performing and being part of the music scene? Maybe because because I'm already in a scene where there's always diversity. Right. I don't necessarily, don't necessarily know that it. I that okay. I notice it. Um, I do. But, I think I do. And what do you think? I mean, I, you know, man, I. I'm an optimist. Hmm. Ultimately, really, I am. And I think, I, 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 really, I really do think people want to do well. Hmm. And I feel like a lot of what had happened up to that point, I don't think was like overtly trying to keep it all Bob Schneider and shiny ribs everywhere you go. You know what I mean? Hmm. I think there's laziness that like they, they know those people would draw like just in, for instance, like on blues on the green, mm-hmm. you know, that if you have Bob Schneider play, it's going to be a full thing. Mm-hmm. If you take a chance on a new band, a band that you haven't seen before, maybe a band that has a little edge that you're not used to mm-hmm. like a color to their, <laughs> to their, to their skin. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it, it, I feel like there was a lot of conscious change and now I feel like it just kind of flows a lot more. Yeah. Well, you know, it seems like, Naturally. And, and at the same time, you know, the, the music that thrives, even talking about pop music, come on. It's, it's all, it's black music, it's hip hop, it's, it's. Oh yeah. Outside of Austin, that's like the biggest music in the world. Exactly. It's, it's not Americana is not the biggest music right, right. in and, the world. And the fact that, <laughs> yeah. you know, the Becky, you know, the, 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 um, 
Carol G's of the world get to rise and come to light right. and play Lollapalooza right. and, you know, get the opportunity to play these big right. stages. It kind of speaks to the the sentiment of people love this music. Yeah. And th- those people are in Austin, too. The, yeah. the problem is yeah, that there's there's not a whole lot of maybe awareness that that kind of music can also exist at the local level. Like right. people think about it as like, oh, let's, you know, let's go find, um, you know, whatever let's go try to find megan the stallion or or shakira or exactly um but most likely they are not coming to play austin unfortunately why is that i don't know let's ask the questions let's figure out why there's not been a consent consent, like concentrated effort to maybe like you know bring the music that people are looking to hear yeah yeah you know shakira has never played austin but she plays San Antonio. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, San Antonio is like uh, way more uh, Latino than Austin. It's, I mean, sh- yes and no. Yes and no, it's, but it's, 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 it's there's a, like this. It's accepted turning. there. Exactly. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's what it ends up coming back to. You know, the, the fact that Austin is like, what, 40% Hispanic now? I mean, it's like a huge yeah. demographic and and it seems like marketing wise the city and whatever the community yeah. is trying to ignore the fact right that latinos are here and they're here to stay and they're gonna right. only gonna continue to grow right. i i will say that i feel like there has always been a pretty strong like ever since what was the festival that alex used to have uh pachanga pachanga uh-huh. like ever since that and like you know, I don't know the rise of, of, uh, of that <laughs> Grupo Fantasma uh-huh. family uh-huh. that branched off into like every half of the bands in Austin, or at least producing. That's why I, I find it hard to believe that you haven't worked with those guys, <laughs> any of those guys. Yeah, but especially Adrian. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, obviously, I've heard his name a lot, but you know, we've haven't coincided yet. Hey, you worked at the Orb doing this i did yeah that's a great place man it is it's amazing and um and so i ended up at orb because my producer nick clark yeah is, he works at orb a ton in in is you know that's kind he of works with some big people you i mean you had some big people yeah yeah well <laughs> yeah. And, and and it's you know let's talk about their level of talent i mean that's nick is like this mastermind and he he knows his craft and so whenever we um, got to meet him, um, Gavin ended up introducing him to me because, I don't know, they coincided at some local function. Um, and it turned out that... And he lives here? Um, no, he now oh. lives in L.A. He's, okay. He moved a few years ago, but he lived in Austin for a oh, okay. while. Um, and um, he, he's, I think he still goes back and forth a ton. He works okay. with a lot of projects here in town. But, but he, yeah, he just, the fact that he was willing to work with me uh, was kind of a shock because, of course, he had, like, no clue. He's like, well, I'm, I kind of heard of mariachi music, and that sounds cool. Like, let's see what we can make happen. But his background is, you know, I think first and foremost, gospel music is what moves him. So, um, so between all of these different art forms that go back to more, obviously, there is kind of that sort of thing. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, no, you know, there is that sort of drama in, 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 in mariachi music that, that summons, 
a feeling in the spirits. Absolutely. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's very soulful. Yeah. It's just that that's something that Nick hadn't been exposed yeah. to before. So whenever he started listening to it, he's like, yeah, I, I could work with this. Let's figure yeah. it out. And so I think that's where we ended up, you know, and, and he brought a team of, um, you know, other producers, um, including Nate Villegas, and we had right. Andrew Schindler. So <laughs> Andrew and I coincided for like a semester at the ut mariachi um oh, really? so so yeah it's really funny because he's always like yep it all comes back full circle you know i was yeah. the, the gringo at the ut mariachi um but but yeah between andrew nate and nick it really just was like pure magic getting to work on all of these songs with yeah. so many different um minds and and people with different backgrounds sure. coming together to to figure out a sound how to fit a you know, a three, four, six, eight song into a four, four time signature. Right, like, right. Let's figure something out. And and there's a couple of the songs in, in this record that I'm just really proud of because the fact that we came up with what we did, it just, to me, it was magic. And again, yeah. hopefully it comes through and, and it that sen- sentiment is shared among the listeners. Yeah. But um, I, I had a lot of fun making the record and I, I, can, I, I think I can speak for the guys too. They... They had a ton of fun. It sounds and feels like you did. Like, I, I really love it. I like it more than your other records. And nothing again. I've known Michael Ramos since I was like 14 or 15. I'm 54. But Mark Hallman, who mastered one of those records of uh-huh. yours. Yeah, he did. That's my, I've known him since I was 13. I was actually just with him in Michigan a couple of weeks ago. Nice. Um, anyway, uh, I think that this record really, like, you, you, it's like you crossed you crossed a line and you you figured out who you are and you can do this and there were songs uh, I know you covered this uh, uh, one of my favorite Charlie Sexton songs uh, Spanish, Spanish words, words mm-hmm. yeah um, and you even kept the Carlos part in there which I, I was waiting for that lyric to come I was like I wonder if she's gonna change it I wonder if she's gonna change it to <laughs> if it's not Carlos of course it's in those beautiful the yeah 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 <laughs> um, but. Uh, those things, it's not like you, it, it wasn't genuine by any means, but it was all really great. And then this is like, oh, shit. <laughs> like she found something. And you're a great singer, man. You're an amazing singer. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I think, you know, it has everything to do with my own personal journey and just having grown as a musician, as yeah. a songwriter. Yeah. Um, you know, Michael wasn't going to pull it out of me. Um, Michael got me like years ago. Right, right. I was super fresh right. into songwriting. So um, if anything, he just really like had my back and helped me figure out where, you know, just trying to get out of me. Like, what are you trying to accomplish? And I think right. that's a lot of what ends up happening when you record. You're kind of trying to figure out where you're going and what sure. your musical identity is. Um, and I think with this last one, I finally had come to some conclusions. I really, really want to blend mariachi in a more um, contemporary pop-centric world. Right. Can I make it happen? Yeah. I wasn't going to be able to do it on my own. Yeah. And, and that's where, you know, like so much credit to, to Nick and, and Nate and Andrew, who really it was, it was, it was an effort, a shared effort to figure out a yeah. way to bring these two worlds together. Do you think you'll work with them again on a thing? Maybe? I would love be to. be hard if like, like what would we, unless it's like Adrian, I've, I don't know why I'm pushing that so hard. <laughs> Nothing against those dudes did a great job. I just, I've, I've been obsessed with Adrian and his work for a long time. <laughs> um, oh, did you meet uh, Nevesky when you were there? 
Matt Noveski? Oh, yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did he end up trying to play bass on your record? Uh, no, I don't think so, but uh, but he was around. <laughs> <laughs> He's an old friend of mine, too. Nice. I would hope that he would listen to it and hear me saying that. Did he try to play bass on your record? <laughs> um, so your band now, like, you're going to be doing these shows. Uh, I don't know if this is going to come out before the Ham Day at Fairground Austin, but uh, you're doing a format festival in Bentonville. You take the whole band up for that? So for that, I'm actually also going with local musicians. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, because so, it's hard. I mean, there's one thing it's... Yeah, traveling, yeah, expenses, yeah, yeah, and it's, 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 a, it's a struggle. But yeah, mariachi is not like a three-piece. Oh, yeah. No, it's not. It's, <laughs> no, not. it's and, not. And here's the, the other side of things. I've also fortunately have gotten to work locally at, in Bentonville because, I don't know, I'm sure you've... you've House of Songs. Yes, yeah, House yeah, of Songs of and Troy Campbell. And Troy, so best. Troy uh, just the kindest person in the whole wide world. Um, he invited me to come out to the to the house of songs in Bentonville. And um, it's been a few years, but I've been back there a couple times. And I actually, part of my previous EP was recorded at Haxton Road Studios in Bentonville. Awesome. So I've gotten the opportunity to connect with local musicians. And so I'm actually going to be working with a lot of them once again. That's for great. Format Festival. Yeah. Are you doing full band at that Ham Day thing? Uh, Ham Day I'm bringing... What is um, Fairground? The fairground Austin's it's on Congress Avenue. It's that um it's kind of like a shared space with like, okay. where there's lots of food and it's like a food court with like an outdoor stage and like a, a green hill side. Have you never Dude, stuff changes so I know, fast. It does. It does. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's only been And we all have years. our routes too. Like yeah. I don't drive down every street. Yeah, yeah. No, for for sure. I only drive down like four streets. Yeah. But <laughs> it's like a super hip place. It's just okay. so chill. And again, it has like this green hillside where uh, it kind of faces the stage. And, you know, there's like a big food court in there where you can just take your Get pick. Whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, it's just a very chill place. But but yeah, we um we have that lined up and I have a couple of the guys joining me. Um um, I use a lot of, um, um, obviously, I use mariachi instrumentation live, uh-huh. but I also still have the production beats behind me so that yeah, we that, can still yeah. bring the two together. That's the coolest. Yeah. You have someone that does that for you? That's right on the beats? Uh, lately, my husband. Okay. <laughs> is he a music guy? Uh, he is not. He is a, an engineer guy. Wow. Yeah. That's nice. And he's just a person that loves me and supports me, really, first and That's foremost. That's awesome. Yeah, he's like, I hate, I don't want to be in front of I do not want anybody to look at me. He's the most shy person in the world. Like, we're polar opposites. That works out he, well, though, he does right? Not, he does. It works out yeah. really well. He does not want to be on stage. Yeah. He doesn't want anybody to look at him. Yeah, but yeah. if he can just be off to the side and hidden in a corner, he's totally fine. Yeah. I never I never went out with an, a, like, in, like, I mean... I've been a musician since I was a little kid for 40 years. Never went out with, I mean, like maybe made out with a couple of female musicians, but never like dated one. But I felt like I don't think, I don't think I can handle another me in the, (laughs) like you can still have a big personality and everything. Just you can't be in need of that much attention like I am because it would just suck like it would it, it would just be true. you the same way? No, yeah, it's too much. Yeah, like, yeah, two of too me much, would be much. too much for anybody to yeah. handle, let yeah. alone myself. So. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and you also became a mom 
recently? Yes, yeah. Congratulations. So, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so we actually got married last year and a baby came really fast. So um, we, <laughs> but we've been together for a long time. So we kind of knew that we wanted to start a family and a baby is now six months old. Oh, wow. Um, he just turned six months. And um, in fact, when I played ACL last fall, I was, I think, like five or six months pregnant. Um, and and so then suddenly I, I was at a little palooza and baby was like five months old. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he's he's also going to hopefully enjoy enjoy the ride. And, uh, you know, I, I want it all. I didn't want to choose between a sure, career and a personal sure. life. You and, shouldn't have to. And this is 2023, so why right. not? So we've yeah. been, we've been uh, trying to just balance personal. And it sounds like you've got a partner. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's he's a, he's a hundred percent behind me, and that's I think that's when it ends up working out if you have somebody that supports you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely in life, that's the way it works. Yeah. So, uh, so Gavin is he? He's your manager. He's our manager. He's your manager. <laughs> he doesn't like to call himself a okay. manager. Um, he's my <laughs> father figure. <laughs> I love that dude. I'm sad he didn't come. I only see him like now every once in a while, like a big thing. You know what I mean? It's a big function. And then there he is. And you talk to him. We'll hang out. Yeah. He's around. Yeah. He's not that busy. Isn't he? He works with the city, right? (laughs) He works closely with the city and through EQ Austin. And just, he does. I'm kidding when I say he's not busy. He's always doing something. Yeah. yeah. He's always been like that. Yeah. And a cool dude. Um, All right. Uh, Anything else? Do you have anything else? There's you got more shows coming up, like in October or something. Uh, so right now we're mostly looking towards September. Um, okay. The the really so I I do have a, a fun show. Um, I don't know if you've heard of of um, um, the man the boogie show. The, yes, I saw the that. Pop, I did see the, that. Uh, 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 Charlie Faye's thing. Yes, yeah. So sorry, I'm like I'm terrible that I'm not I'm blanking out on the specific name, but um. Uh, yeah, I've got invited to play for that. Um, we're going to be playing Saturday the 16th of September. Okay. It's, it's a morning show. Again, yeah. It's family friendly. It's, you know, geared towards kids. Yeah. And um, so I'm, I'm doing that. And then Ham Day the following the following week, that Tuesday. And then after that, um, I have a, well, Bentonville. When I come back from Bentonville, we have a really cool show that um, tickets are not available for sale yet. But um, we're playing uh, Roland's Theater. Uh, at the Long Center. Oh, It's going to awesome. be a record release party and it's going to be a really cool show. It's very intimate and we're going to make it into a fun taping type of thing. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Have well, you ever thought of doing a children's thing? I think you. I think your kid has to become a toddler and you finally get sick of like <laughs> Baby Shark. And um, then, because I just had Charlie on here talking about it. It's like, how did you get into it? Because I've known her for years. And I mean, her music, it's not different than the music she was doing with Charlie Faye and the Fayettes. It's uh, just like, more kid oriented yeah yeah but do you do you think of that well what do you play in the house what do you play for your child oh my gosh my baby his one song that will calm him down it's this like what i don't even know who came up with this song my mom always sing it on her guitar my my mom's side of the family is very musical Uh everybody does it for fun it was just a hobby in the family and so everybody will pull out guitars and so my mom learned from her older brothers to play guitar and just bring out whatever instrument was around even if it was just like a can with a little pen like whatever just make it up and um and one of the songs that she always has 
played is this like children's song that is kind of like a riddle and um I don't even know how to explain it but but that is the one song that I will sing to my child and it, it will put him to sleep it will make him um what is relax it's called Can La Rana and so it's this song that it starts with um you know like it goes Estaba la rana sentada cantando debajo del agua, agua. Cuando la rana se puso a cantar, vino la mosca la hizo callar. And then it's yeah. la mosca, la rana, la rana que estaba sentada cantando. Okay, yeah, yeah. And you like keep a, going like until a, you get to like the the dog and the cat yeah, yeah. and the mouse. And it just goes down like it's that. It's like the old woman that swallowed a fly. I don't know why she swallowed a fly. That's Perhaps it. she'll die. And then it keeps on adding things. That's to, it. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to yeah. learn that version too. I need to know the English and the Spanish. And then just like that'll maybe one day I'll become famous because I cover these two songs. I don't know. I think you'll become famous because you're really, uh, you're, you're a great artist and an amazing singer. Thank you. Yeah. And what I've seen on video, you're a great performer. Thank so, you. Yeah. I mean, you handled the same audiences that people like Paul McCartney and, and Metallica and uh, Billie Eilish and Pink handle. You know what? Those Lollapalooza and, and festival audiences. You yeah. Think, yeah. Well, to be fair, you know, I, I didn't have that big of a crowd because I was earlier in the day. But hey, I am not afraid of playing in front of a crowd. Um, the biggest gigs What's I've done. What's with the honesty, man? <laughs> why, no, why thanks lie? for telling it like it is. Why no, no, no. Lie? I know, of um, course. Uh, someday I'll get yeah, to, yeah. to be Lollapalooza headliner. <laughs> but but until then, I, I opened the whole festival, for God's sakes. I yeah. played like Thursday at 12 o'clock <laughs> and it was great. I mean. Got to see the people walking. Yeah. And it yeah. was awesome because. Because, yeah. you know, there, there, there were people who were like, they're just walking in and they get like excited to hear like, what the heck is happening? Why is there a mariachi yeah. on stage? Yeah. And they just make their way over here. And it ended up being a nice big crowd. Yeah. But, you know, obviously, you know, I'm I'm up and coming. Uh, people, I'm not yeah. Billie Eilish yet. So eventually, someday, hopefully it'll happen. But in the meantime, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I will continue to play the, the yeah. uh, stadium as they invite me. Um, that's been one of the really fun things. Oh, I've yeah, you went and like sang the, the national, national anthem. anthem. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I've gotten to do whenever they've had Mexican teams play against Austin FC. Then I've done the Mexican national anthem and then the Star Spangled Banner. Right. I even got to sing the Canadian um, national anthem in one of those games. <laughs> big crowd, amazing. big crowd. A lot of fun too. Yeah. Just like the roaring crowd. That's like a really cool feeling. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm sorry, I'm laughing. Five years ago, I did, I, I got invited to do uh, live interviews at ACL fest but not in the back and the thing on a fucking stage oh. like outside of the beer yeah just people walking by like what's he doing and you're <laughs> like me and jackie benson or whatever and, and uh kid jones some different ones i had to go on different days but it was awful it's the worst thing ever but like so many people like oh you you did it interviews at acl and i was like yeah it was awesome what was so like, awful about it i don't understand oh dude it was well first of all no one was really no one goes and like sits down and watches an interview at like two in the afternoon <laughs> <laughs> the thing so that was weird and and like talking and like trying to have a conversation with Janelle Monet, and there was somebody else coming this way but at some point during the Kid Jones one I'm like I can't I can't even hear myself think anymore like I sit on the microphone and then people walking by going like yeah dude <laughs> you know it was <laughs> a little bit bizarre but on on paper it's like oh wow you, they invited you they did and it was awesome <laughs> but it wasn't awesome 
I loved I loved my ACL and Lollapalooza experiences, and I'm so grateful again. Um, and and you know, um, oh yeah, there is a, I mean, like there is a very focused effort to um, you know through C3 Percents to try and get more local acts to to get the kind yeah. of support through the massive platform that they but have. But don't you think that a lot of I mean, having played Lollapalooza, okay, recently you went to Chicago and you played Lollapalooza. Right? Did it ever occur to you, like, hey, where's all the Chicago bands? I don't think there's enough Chicago bands on this bill. True. Like, I always say, like, people are always like, oh, man, there's just not enough. Uh, like, I'm like, there's actually a lot of bands, for Austin bands, like five a day or something on the, on the, on this. That's a lot. Yeah. And then I'm like, do you ever go to Coachella and go, like, hey, where's all the bands from Palm Springs? <laughs> that's what I, you know what I mean? No one really cares when yeah. they come here. Well, and that's the a sad thing. The fact that C3 uh, Presents is st- willing. Still doing and, it. And, yeah. you know, just like, hey, well, let's do it. Yeah. Right. You know, they're, they've grown to the level to where they can do whatever they want. And they take a lot of bands from Austin. And because mm-hmm. there's always a couple of bands that are playing Lollapalooza at that level, too. Mm-hmm. Like from Austin. I've noticed that over the last like 10 years or so since they took it over. Yeah. Well, yeah. now they're um, they're continuing to help out, but I think that's also, amazing. Also on the equity side of things, trying to bring more Latino, um, sure, just yeah. a color in general. Right. Um, this time around, it ended up being me, and then um, my good friend Harriet Huka also played. Um, I love him. Yeah, he also got to to share the stage over in Lollapalooza, and it's again, it's an opportunity that it's an opportunity of a lifetime. Hopefully, yeah. it'll repeat itself. But if it doesn't, I can die happy. Yeah. Well, I mean, sure. i think uh yeah i think i mean i'm i don't see why you wouldn't do great things because you you are great i want to see you live hopefully i'll be able to make it out to that ham day thing what time are you doing that that day uh i'm playing at five oh that's good the fairground who else is playing on that bill anyone i know you don't know i don't know you don't have to know you don't have to know and uh and the thing i what day did you say it was the 16th september 16th is the Yes, Saturday yeah. the sixteenth is uh, it's the like far ten a.m. Uh-huh. Like I wake up so early that I'm like, and now that I'm old, I'm like, can you imagine doing a show at ten a.m.? That would be awesome. <laughs> I'd be <laughs> be done by like noon. Have the rest of the day to yourself. Yeah, I'm a morning person, so I have no problem playing at ten in the morning. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Do you get out and see much music anymore? Um, it's tough. It's tough, but mostly because with a kid yeah. and a family and a day job, and it's just a lot of things uh, at once. But um. But uh, hopefully I'll, I'll get to do more of that now that my kid is getting bigger. Yeah. Well, man, congratulations. This record, Bella Rosa, is great. Um, Thank you. You're great. I appreciate it, Johnny. Yeah. Thanks it's really nice to meet you. I'm really glad that we got to meet and, uh, and now I know you. Same here. So yeah. I can say hi to you when I see you in public. Yeah. I'm sure we'll, we'll continue to see each other around. Yeah. yeah. Great talking to you. Thanks. You too. Gang, that was Leslie Reynaga. You can see her tomorrow. If you have kids, you got to go down to that uh, the boogie thing, the boogie show, the breakfast boogie. Sorry, the boogie thing. Go to the breakfast boogie at the Far Out Lounge tomorrow, 10 a.m. I might actually do that. That sounds fun. I could take Rosie, pretend she's a kid. Um, yeah, check her out, man. She's a really fantastically talented artist. Go to LeslieReynaga.com. Check out this record, Villa Rosa. Villa Rosa, great, great record. And don't forget uh, to get your tickets to the 13th annual Swan Song Serenade taking place October 29th at the Four Seasons. Go to swansongs.org for all of your Swan Songs need. And don't forget, gang, when you're out there checking out all those websites, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you find podcasts, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, TuneIn, 
New shows every Tuesday and every Friday, sometimes three shows a week. Sometimes we drop it from the vault late Saturday nights. You never know what's going to happen, except you do get a show guaranteed every Tuesday and every Friday. All right. I hope you guys all have a very safe and uh, and good weekend, whatever it is you do. All right. Have a great weekend. Let's get down. Somos conquistadores y conquistados, pueblo de mil colores y un fin pasado. Bendito el sinfín de olores que nos perfuma, tintada en la misma pluma. Por más que intenten encerrarnos o con crueldad quebrantarnos, aquí seguimos luchando, llegando, llegando. Subiendo entre montañas y valles Estas tierras siempre fueron nuestras calles Cuando grité criminales Cuando digan ilegales Vamos volando hasta llegar A lo alto Oh, oh.